I, I want to get going right with what we're going to talk about. Then we'll talk a little bit about where we were when I was up a month and a half ago. And uh, we're going to take the next three weeks and continue this unforced rhythms of grace, talking about some spiritual disciplines that help us get closer to God, engage with God, be open to what God wants to do in and through us. Today we're going to talk about discernment. How do we know what God wants us to do? And that would apply, I think, to a lot of your lives in various ways from what I understand and hear at times. Do you struggle with knowing what God wants you to do? Uh, what kind of decisions he wants you to make? Um, maybe it's, what is God's will for me? Maybe there's a, an element of that for you, whatever age you're at. Maybe you're facing some transition, some bit of change, some big choice that needs to be made. Maybe it's because you don't want to make a decision that later on you regret. So it could be anything from, uh, you know, I just talked to somebody about a wedding they're going to do in a year. So maybe it's something about marriage, relationship, career, kids, what color of socks you're supposed to wear that morning. It's a big uh, discernment piece, right? Or what you're going to do for lunch afterwards, which is a biggie because then you ask your spouse and they go, whatever you want, and then they say, what, right, do you do that? And then we, we know the story. We offer something like, okay, let's go here. And they go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat that. <laughs> you, is that. Is that normal for some of you? Is there anger, bitterness, deep, deep pain that comes with that? <laughs> we'll go to great lengths to try to figure out what God wants us to do or what people want us to do or what we think we need to do or supposed to do, right? So some of it is back in the day. Um, it, it, now, I'm not presenting this because it has anything to do biblical. It's not a good thing, but do you, do you remember these magic eight balls? Do you remember those things? I'm 54, so that was, you know, and you would do this like, am I supposed to marry her? I don't know. I don't know. It said dumb things on there, right? I don't know or whatever or something like that. And then what we usually do with those things is we do them until we get the answer that we want. Is that, do you guys do that? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Oh, wow. How did they know what I would, right? It's just, it's so dumb. Or the little paper fortune teller things. Pick a color. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Then pick a number. Is that right? Da, 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 da. Now pick another number. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Now we'll put more into that stuff than we will God. And ultimately, if you really think about it, and people and things, we put them in place of God. God becomes whatever, right? And, and then we, we even put signs and stuff like that from God, you know? And that can happen at times. Not the magic eight ball or the paper thing. Don't, I'm not promoting that at all. God does do signs and wonders and, and reveals things to us in creative ways. Sometimes we look to gurus or peers or whatever, and we take more from the opinion of man and others than we do um, God. And here's one of the reasons why is because we'll present a few things later on. This is a big, deep subject that is not just confined to one Sunday. There's a lot more to this. Um, but we'll look more to others sometimes than to God himself. And part of that is because we don't know God enough to know what he wants. We don't know him. So now we're going to trust others. You do that with pastors. Listen, just a little insight. I don't know anything more than you do, okay? I cannot pray better than you, okay? I don't have some magic sauce that's in my office, and then when you go, hey, Ron, can I come talk to you? And then I drink it real quick, and then I go, oh, yes, come, please, I'll give you the answer. But that's what it feels like it's supposed to be that way sometimes. I have to discern what God wants just like you do. And sometimes I'm not very good at it. And there's various reasons why. Um, but we'll then turn to whatever we think most of the time will give us the answer that we want to hear. And then we'll ask people that are unwise. We may even place expertise above God at times. There are decisions we're going to make. I'll talk about this too in a little bit. And it'll come up multiple times in your life. There are a lot of things in faith as we follow God that are not going to make sense to others that are experts. So there's things we're going to do Things, decisions we're going to make, and everyone around us is going to go, that's, that's dumb, that's stupid, I don't think that's logical. But you're going to do it because you truly believe that God has said this is what you're supposed to do. All right? Now, sometimes people use that as an excuse. And if you come to me, I want to just give you a little insight. This will clear up a lot of stuff for me down the road. This will help. This is time management right here, okay, that I'm going to tell you. If you come to me as a pastor and you say, Ron, I want your opinion on something because God told me that I'm supposed to do this. If you use that phrase in there, 
I'm not going to really probably dialogue with you about it unless we're going to have a true opportunity to discern what God's doing. Why? Because now you want me to give an opinion that's above God. Why? Because you already came and said, this is what God wants me to do. What do you think? <laughs> uh, seriously? I'll, that's time management right now because now all of you that are going to do that or we're going to do that, you're not even going to come. Good. I just fixed my schedule up a little bit, all right? <laughs> Cleared it up. <laughs> so if you want help, just like I need help, then, hey, Ron, I don't know what God wants me to do. Okay, let's start talking about it. So a guy came into the office this week, and that was the case. Let's just start talking about it. I don't know either. We'll figure this out together. It may take a while. It's a process. So we go to, you know, fortune tellers, and there's, you know, even now, there's apps. I looked it up. I knew there was, but wow, there's plenty of apps that will make the decision for us. Okay, you just, like, put things on a, on a wheel, a roulette wheel, press the button, and there, it's fixed for you, all right? Um, that's not a good idea, though. Okay? Now, dinner, food, it still doesn't work, right? Because you're like, I don't like what it picked. Okay, just pick something probably. I need to learn that. And why is this important? We'll talk about it specifically in a moment, but it's because we need to learn spiritual disciplines in our life to be open to what God wants us to do because we're prone to make mistakes. We're not perfect people. We need help. So one of the important things for spiritual disciplines is not because God's going to love you more if you do them. It's to open ourselves up to God and what he wants to do in and through us and to reveal to us part of the truth of who we are. This is where I've struggled. The truth of who I am so that I can get help and healing. So I need to do things in my life that open myself up to God. Otherwise, if I don't, then I, am, I get exhausted, tired. It's, it's just I get more broken then I don't know what to do, and I'm weary, and I want to give up. Now, this scripture from the message was a, was a kind of a guiding principle for us. Specific today, what does God want us to do? How do we discern that? Not just make a decision, discern it. This was a guiding scripture for us from the message. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. It's Jesus talking to his followers, all right? These are people that are following him. So this, is, this is, gives us some insight into life, gives us some instruction on what to do, and it was the basis for then moving forward um, and trying to figure out, hey, God, what do you want from us? How do we live? How do we become healthy people? All these great things. We've talked about it. We're going to talk about it for three more weeks. This is the guiding scripture. Are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out? And I love this part because he says on religion. That was one of his big things, problems that he had because this stuff turns into religion, if not careful, not a relationship with Jesus, then he says this, are you any of these things? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. Not a part of your life. He, when Jesus talks, talks about his whole life, you'll recover it. Are you tired? You're weary? Are you burned out on religion? Are you getting sick and tired of all this stuff? Man, are you, are you exhausted? Then come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. We talked about getting away with Jesus. Some of those weeks, silence, solitude, prayer, all these elements that open us up to God. And he says, I'll show you, not tell you. I will show you how to get a real rest, how to take a real rest. And then he adds to it, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. He led by example. This is not stuff that Jesus said, it's a good idea. I heard it from the guy on TV. I read the book. He says, I live this way. Get away with me, walk with me. Follow me, be with me, watch how I do it. That's what you're going to do then, and you'll get a real rest. Learn the unforced, so they're not forceful things that he's forcing upon us. Rhythms, they're rhythmic to life. They should be daily or weekly or yearly. That's filled in the Bible with feasts and, and Sabbaths and all these great things. They're rhythms of grace. They're not burdens. Unforced rhythms of burdens or whatever you want to put to it because it feels like that. If it becomes a burden to you to read your Bible, then you're reading it wrong or something's up. That's a, a deeper thing to delve into. It doesn't mean sometimes that it won't feel boring. Read a little boring maybe, but there's other answers to that. But they're not burdens. It's grace. Now, there's a lot to that that we won't get into this morning, but he says this then, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly. Wow, that's awesome. What a beautiful set of scriptures. In any translation, it is fantastic. Jesus says to us, come, learn this with me. There are practices, there are habits that will open you up to a real relationship. Now, Dallas Willard, one of the guys that I follow with spiritual formation, always has some very insightful things, and I'll lead into then some differences between decision, discernment, and all that, but let me just give you a little thought of what he says. He says, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. Let's pause there for a minute. Let me add something to it that he said. So one of the things that he says to do is before our minds, all right? Now, there's so many creative ways to do that. Why do we need to do it? Because we so easily get sidetracked. I do. Every squirrel that pops up, every pretty color, shiny thing, I'm in, all right? This morning, I get sidetracked so easy. One minute, I went to go uh, off to get uh, cinnamon mints for the, the, the booth back here for myself. And suddenly, I'm handing out, they're almost all gone. Because a whole bunch of you, like, forced me to, you know, give you one. No. You were out there. I offered. We all touched them. We all got whatever cooties everybody else has now. Okay? We're in. So it's so easy for me, even in teaching anything else, to get sidetracked and off somewhere. So Dallas says, hey, listen, one of the things that we do, Jesus says this. Let's just keep God before our eyes somehow. His word, the beauty, worship. There's so many ways to do it. Artistic things, beautiful things that are people are doing out there that sometimes we miss God in. Because we just always see it in this little confined one-way box. He adds to it and says, before I get to the, the, the little second part of his quote there, he says, this is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in this is practicing the presence of God. So we want to direct, redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time, I love this, of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are only habits. They're not the law of gravity and can be broken. And so a new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps, intentional steps to uh, be looking to God, towards God, keeping God before us. Soon our minds, he says, will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. So he says, as we keep practicing this and redirecting our mind to God, one of the things that will gradually maybe for some of us happen, ups and downs, struggles, good, bad, because one minute you nailed it and the next minute you didn't, right? But he says, over a period of time, You'll replace some of the bad habits with the good habits. It's practice, these spiritual habits are, right? Jesus said earlier, they're not forced rhythms of grace. They're unforced rhythms of grace. They're not to be burdens, but we make them burdens. And that causes us to feel heavy. And so Jesus comes along and Dallas reinforces that and says, listen, you'll replace it. And eventually, suddenly, one of the things you'll notice is you will, um, over a period of time, more quickly go to God than away from him. For sometimes there's this time when my gap between I'm experiencing God and not experiencing God is super wide. But over a period of time, with the spiritual practices, that gap starts to shorten. And suddenly I went, wow, you know what? It took me <laughs> a year to get refocused on God. And you know what? I've noticed lately it only takes me like half of a year. <laughs> I'm exaggerating there, but that's the case for some people. So there's things to dig into. What I want to do for me is I want that gap to shorten. I want it to be instant. Wow, I was thinking of something, but I redirected myself naturally back to God. Right? The way I look at that shiny thing, wow, it wasn't so quick. They had to dangle that in front of me for a long time for me to look the other way. Now that can apply in a lot of things. I love that. I love it. This is kind of, he says, the secret sauce of our minds. It takes practice, replacing old with new, and uh, we take intentional steps. All right, so this is important when it comes to this practice. I think this is a practice of discernment that has it like that meaning of uh, maybe decision-making, but it's not just decision-making. Let's talk about that for a minute. 
Um, there's a difference between decision-making and discernment. Decision-making is really, just to kind of simplify it, is making a choice, right? So today, you get out of church, you want to pick somewhere to go eat lunch, you pick something, you make a decision. Now, there can be a lot of baggage behind that, a lot of discussion that goes along, along with it, I know, but it's a decision you make, right? I do this or this. What do you want to do? Do that. I don't even know sometimes if that decision has much to do with the direction of life. Now, it may mean that you're going to, you know, pay for it internally for a while later on. But, hey, that's just a choice you make, and you're willing to deal with the consequences because you ate that spicy food. That's fine. Whatever you think, whatever, just make a decision, right? But discernment goes much deeper. Let me give you some thoughts with discernment. Discernment means we're learning to think God thoughts, practically and spiritually, we're having a sense of how things look in God's eyes. So when I look at something and I'm going to make a decision, now I look from the eyes of God and say, hey, God, what do you want me to do? And as I get better at this, it becomes quicker and easier in all things of life to go, hey, God wants me to do this because I'm looking from his perspective. Now, we get that perspective through the spiritual disciplines, all right, and the things that we add into our life to help us with that, to practice it. So um, we look through God's eyes, um, it, it is discernment, decision-making, but think through this a little bit with me on your own, maybe this week even. It's decision-making that involves the pros and cons, yes. Wise advice, of course. But then we look at it from its decision-making from a biblical framework. So if you're not a follower of Christ in here, you would probably take that out. And I'd even ask you, so how do you make your decisions? that are healthy and long-term for you. And that could be a lot, of what, a lot of things, right? But what we're saying as followers of Christ now, applying this to the Word of God, so you got to think about this, whoever you are, is I want to look at it from a biblical framework. I'm learning God's perspective on it. Now I make a decision based upon my, what, what my biblical framework looks like, the values from that. And that takes it even a little further. Now I'm making a decision. I'm discerning things based upon my biblical framework and my values, what's important to me. So that has a lot of deep stuff in there as well, right? There's a lot of self-awareness that needs to happen, a lot of things to work through, and I'm looking at circumstances and logical things as well in it. Discernment then, to go even a little deeper with it, this is where we got to start digging over a period of time, not just today, but it looks at the inner dynamics, the authentic self of who we are, of our lives, our desire, and calling. So part of that, especially long-term, says, who am I? What am I all about? That's going to direct me moving, you know, towards the future. That's how I'm going to help discern. So I look at the internal things about me in conjunction with the other things that God is doing and a biblical framework. Now I discern out of that what to do. And even more, what is God saying to me? If I eliminate all that, then I'm just making a decision. I almost go, well, just do the pros and cons and make a choice. What's best for you? What's best for your family? Right? So make a decision. Um, but if you want to look at it from a healthy perspective, and I'm only learning these things. Man, reading this stuff has just been amazing for me. Uh, it's going to look at a lot deeper things before I make a decision to move forward. Right? Uh, why is discerning the right decision such a challenge? Let's just talk about that for just a moment. One, we have so many options. I'm not good with options. That's why I need the little paper thing. Dun, 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 dun. What do I watch on Netflix today? Dun, 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 dun. This take me about an hour. But you know what we do? How many of you just scroll through Netflix? You've saved about 100 things on there. But you scroll through everything you've saved. And what you say to yourself is, there is nothing to watch. Why would you save that in the first place? Does anybody do that? I do. No one else does. You liars, okay? That's another spiritual practice to get rid of, okay? But think about all those things. Why is it so hard? Because we have so many options with food and, and things and media. And so what, what happens is we're afraid then to make what? The wrong decision. We have so many options we become overwhelmed and flooded that we're afraid to make the wrong, the right, whatever. We're afraid to make a decision because it'll be wrong. So what we do is we don't make a decision at all. And I fit into that category. 
that can become overwhelming in leadership, at work, at home, in personal life. Two, one of the things that we do, why don't we, or why is this such a challenge, is we listen to too many voices. So a lot of times we, I, invite too many people to the table. Um, and ultimately, sometimes, you know what, I think, I believe, I know about myself is, I think sometimes we invite more people to the table because we want to hear everybody's opinions, but we're also trying to fit something into what we want to hear. It's something that we got to evaluate constantly. I need to constantly. It's not just a one-time thing. Every time I look at it. Uh, the other thing we do is we compare ourselves to others. So it becomes a challenge to make a choice, a decision, to discern the right thing to do. Um, so we compare to everyone else, and then we think, oh, if I do the opposite or something different, then I've made the wrong choice because look at their life. Even with success, someone else's success in something doesn't mean just because you do it, you're going to have success too. But we look at it that way. I've, I can look at that in ministry at church, right? So, wow, they didn't do it that way. And look at, they got way more people coming than we do. So maybe we're doing it wrong here. Now, there's things to evaluate, of course. But, but sometimes we compare ourselves to others. The other thing is, and we already said this, as followers of Christ, we lack biblical wisdom. So many people, you want the pastor or someone from the pulpit to tell you what to do, and you'll just do it. I'm a human up here. Sometimes I've studied, I've, I've looked, I've read, but the truth is I am a human being. I am not the voice of God. I am not God. God can use any of us as a voice into someone's life, but you should even take what I say and evaluate it for yourself according to your own Right? Self-awareness and who you are. Because you make, make a decision, and as the pastor, I may go, I don't think that's a wise thing to do. And you may go, well, this is what God wants me to do. And I'd go, well, who am I to say any different thing? The Bible's filled with stories of people that did crazy things that no one agreed with. It doesn't mean that's the reason you determined to do something, but it does mean that that can't happen, right? Biblical wisdom, not just pastoral wisdom, we need biblical wisdom. But even then, you got to evaluate it, right? Because everybody has an opinion. And then the big thing is, we become, one of the reasons why is we become spiritually blind. We have become spiritually blind to what's going around. We are not seeing God anywhere, or seeing we only see him where we expect to see him. Sometimes we're just spiritually blind to what God is doing. We talked about this in the scripture. will come up in a little bit at our men's group on Thursday. You know what? Sometimes we don't get to a place to know what God wants to do because we don't see him working at all. And the place to start is, hey, remember his mercies. Remember who he is. Reflect on what he's done. And then out of that, start thinking about what you are to do. Sometimes we become spiritually blind because we don't see him working. But I like that part, that other part that says we only see him where we expect to see him. And so, so often we miss him. So um, we want to, we, we want to have spiritual sight. We want to find God everywhere, especially where we least expect it. That could be in the lives of people, in your own life, with something he's doing, um, through his word, speaking to you, whatever. All right. Why does this matter? And I'll give you some principles in just a moment. Why does this matter? Because it dictates the direction of your life your family's life, and our life together as a community. Why does this matter? Why is this important to talk about? And we have to keep talking about it. Even with the elders and the staff and, you know, invitation of some others if they wanted to, we're working through a book right now that's going to be a process of discerning what God wants us to do concerning the church. We will start, why do we exist? We're going back to some beginning things over a period of time, but it all starts in the individual we can't get together and discern what God wants to do as a team or as a community of people if we don't get on the same page with God as individuals. And so we're working through some material to do that because it matters. The direction of our life, family life, and family life together as a community. Right now, I'll tell you a little, you know, upfront thing. A lot of you know already. The tribe, the Coquille tribe that owns this property, owns all these properties, if you haven't heard, they want to put a casino in. The church is not in the plans, just in case you were wondering, okay? 
They have been awesome to us. They offered us an extension. The, I don't know if you all knew this, um, but uh, they offered us an extension of a year because next month, July, was it. Yeah, in about a month, I was going to ask you, can, when you leave today, can you grab a chair and just <laughs> next week bring it with you to wherever we tell you on Facebook we're going to meet? Now, we're not doing that. They offered a year extension, free rent. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, still give, but free rent, okay? <laughs> All right. So we've been having free rent too. Now listen, here's what I discovered. This is a little insight into some of my sin. I have much sin, okay? But one of my sin is I realized something in talking to the elders and talking to the staff that I put a lot into what the tribe said and God was second. Because if the, whatever they said, then I took it as a sign from God that that's what we're supposed to do. I want to stand before you in a year, in a couple months, I hope sooner than that. <laughs> we know what we're doing. And I want to, with the elders and staff and anyone else that's joined us, and after invitations from you over the next year of prayer and fasting, I want to stand before you, and then you can make a clear decision whether you want to be a part or not and say this. Listen, I know... I, even if they did this, what if? What if they came back and said, we want to give you an extension, five years, no rent. Does that mean it's God? No, it doesn't. But it sure seems like it, huh? And I'd want to stand before you and go, listen, um, we're not going to do that. Or we are going to do that. Because we believe that God is leading us this way. I want to confidently say that. And I don't want someone else, just because it looks good, feels good, and is shiny and pretty, to dictate the direction that God wants us to go. Now, that's not easy for someone like me that's one of the guys in charge because I want the easy road. I love the free road. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you do as well, right? But listen, we want to discern what God wants to do not what everyone else wants us to do. That's not easy, but we do it together, even through all the ugly parts. So why does this matter? Because it dictates direction of life, community, all, all the different things. Because we have a part to play in a bigger story, God's story, and here's a biggie for us at Journey Church. It's gonna continue to be a thrust for us where we go, what we push, what we do. We want our kids and students and youth to grow into adults that are able to make wise choices. I want your kid to grow up in this ministry through the help of the church and the church helping the parents make wise choices from a biblical framework on what they're supposed to do. That's what I want. That's what we want. So that's why we use orange. We want them to discern God's direction for their life. And this is important to us. And us 50-year-olds, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, whatever you make it to, praise God, I want you still to be able to make the wise choice from a biblical standpoint. The gospel to go out and people to come to Christ and have this perspective. Real quick, what it's not. This is not just for pastors and the spiritual elite. It's for all people. This is not to discern um, or make a decision to blow off a person when you should just say no or to avoid taking a risk. It's to make healthy, God-directed decisions, operate in courage and faith. This is not just showing, or God showing you what to do, but it's the wisdom to discern and make a choice. And this is not just for when you're making a major decision, a building, a job. This is for all parts of life. So we want to learn to be attentive to God, become familiar with his voice, especially in the midst of the noise of today's culture. There are a lot of shiny things to get us today. So we want to cut through that noise and give some principles to help us. So sometimes you're going to hear his voice described as movements, this discernment. Movements, leadings, promptings, some old school terms in there, right? Inner testimonies of the Holy Spirit. Sounds so Pentecostal right there. That's my history. They can come as. So when we think of discernment too, 
Think about it this way in decision-making. It can come as convictions of sin. So sometimes through this process, the Lord's going to come in and convict us of sin through the power of his Holy Spirit, and something's going to resonate in your heart and go, that's not a good idea. There's blatant things, of course, but them start getting revealed about us that that's the Holy Spirit discerning. That's not a good thing. Convictions of sin, they also come as confirmations of identity. So one of the ways that I pray that we hear God speak and we discern which voice it is, because here's one of the things. There's the voices of the enemy that say, you're no good, your identity's garbage, you're garbage. That's not just something you did, it's who you are, that's the enemy. God's voice, we're gonna discern and say, that's the enemy. God's voice says, I'm a child of God, he loves me unconditionally, he will not abandon me. Some of us have a hard time distinguishing and discerning those voices. And we listen to those negative that say all this garbage, and we've done it for a lot of years, but I want us to be able to discern, that's not God, this is God. And then we follow that, you know, and we need that desperately. Um, so these kind of things um, also are then confirmations of identity, confidence of God's love. It'll build in us and it'll speak. And then, of course, we said calls to action, decision-making. So we're going to learn to bring our head, heart into alignment so we properly use our head, heart, and hands and feet and make decisions, all right? That's the idea, Romans. So here's our kind of a foundational verse, and I'll give you some principles over the next 10, 15 minutes here, maybe half hour or hour. I haven't been up here for a while, just, so, okay? <laughs> just making sure you're all still awake at the moment. Uh, this, this verse, man, is awesome. This should be something we all memorize, go back to, go back to, go back to. There's a little pattern to it, so uh, kind of see the flow with it. Guys, in my guys group on Thursday, you're going to get sick of this verse. That's the idea, all right? We've talked about it two Thursdays in a row, and just a little, now I'm going to probably, shouldn't say this because you might not come, but we're going to talk about it again on Thursday, all right? <laughs> and so, dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes to the church, I plead, I urge, I beg. This means it's important. I beg of you, I urge, I plead with you. Please listen to me. Please, this is foundational. Please, man, get this down. Go back, read it over and over again. These two verses at least say, I plead with you, one, to give your bodies to God. So This is foundational for decision-making and discernment. I plead with you, give your bodies to God, all of yourselves. I told the guys, it's a good reminder for me, all of yourselves, good, bad, ugly. Because a lot of times when we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, we just want to give him good. We keep the bad for ourselves. Man, I resonate with this. And we can't handle the bad ourselves. So we don't give it to the God who can transform and change it. So God says, Paul writes, hey, give all of yourself to God. Good, bad, ugly, doubts and worries, joy, laughter, mourning and sorrow, all of it. Give your bodies to God. Why, he says, because of all he has done for you. Some say because of his mercies. So now we know what has God done because we're blinded often. Give all your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Then it says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So you do it while you're alive. This isn't a dead sacrifice, this is living. I give all of me who I am. It's a living and it's a holy sacrifice. It's a holy thing to do the kind that he will find acceptable. And he says this, this is beautiful. This is truly the way to worship him. It's beautiful. This is truly the way to worship him. Okay, that's foundational. That's the starting place to discern what God wants you to do. That's why we go back and say, what does God want from me? What kind of person am I to be? What are my valuable framework? We start there and it goes out from there. So he says, offer all that to him because of what he's done, not just randomly. This is a true, truly a way to worship him. And then he adds this. Okay, and then don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Okay, the shiny things, the little magic eight balls, uh, you know, flip, flip paper origami things, gurus, this, that, all right? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? That thinking part's the beginning place. That's the problem. So many problems for me aren't actually what I'm doing. The doing's a problem, don't get me wrong, but it starts in the way I think, all right? Don't copy the world. Let God transform you 
You need him to transform you. You can't do it on your own. Offer him all of you by changing the way you think. Then, man, then, then, then. It's a process, a starting place. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Ah, I want to know God's will. First question, do you want to know God's will for your life? So the answer is yes, right, for many of you. So then the, the easy thing for you is just to go, hey, so Ron, what is that? And I'd go, well, let me just tell you. Go to Romans 12, 1, 2, memorize it, all right? Give all yourself to God. The, the writer begs you. Give all yourself to him. Start there. Nope. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> right? No. Go to this, this deeper place. Give all yourself to him. It's, what a great couple verses. Right? Mark it, highlight it, circle, underline, write notes, you know, whatever. Chew on it, think about it, read it over and over again. So here, let me just give you some thoughts. There's a lot to this. We don't stick just to these things, but let me just give you some, some thoughts to think about. But one is what I think matters. What I think, because we see it in there, matters. So who I am, here's the biggie, who I am is more important than what I do. I don't think a lot of people like that. I don't either because especially as a dude, I just want to do stuff. Okay, do things. All right, so I'm going to pick out the easiest things to do. But what, what the Bible teaches us, what Paul is saying, what the principle is even outside of Romans 12, 1 and 2 is who I am is more important than what I do. Now, it's not saying what I do doesn't matter. No, it matters. But more important than that is who I am. Who I am is more important than what I do. Pastor is what I do, but it is not who I am. A lot of us, I can speak for guys, say who we are is what we do. For a while, I was not a pastor because the denomination um, I gave up, I want to say took away, they didn't really take it away. I gave it up, my paper. I took a test in this denomination. They said I passed. Praise God, I don't know how, but I did. <laughs> and then they said, give us money every month and you're a pastor. And I said, oh, okay. Now, when I left that denomination, I had a struggle with who am I. I didn't realize how much I placed on that piece of paper. My identity was found in that, not in anyone else, not in anything else, not even in God, that became my identity. And that's where God even then had to start working. Now it's gone and been a process for years and years and years and years and years and still will be. But who I am and I do. We're not looking when we talk about discernment just for outward answers, but also for inward transformation. It's weird to say it in the discernment piece because again, we get so focused on what to do, but we need to be focused on who we are so that we can know what to do and even more that, know who God is. Find my identity in him, right? We said, we, one of the things we gotta discern and distinguish is between the different voices that say, you're no good, you're messed up, you're not worth it, you're unwanted, and God's over here saying, I love you, I care for you, I want you. And that's important, important, important. Who you are matters to God more than what you do. John Ortberg said, God's purpose in guidance is not to get us to perform the right actions. His purpose is to help us become the right kind of people. So important. A better question than what do you want me to do that a lot of you maybe could stop right here is God, who do you want me to become? And if, if you just stop right there and that's the discussion we have for a while. Who do you want me to become? God, before I even, unless you're in a place where right now you gotta make a decision, just stop and just focus on God, who do you want me to become? What do you want? What are my values? What matters to me? What's important to me? Work on that. Outside of anyone else, anything else, who do you want me to become? What I think matters. Who I am is more important than what I do. And then this, what, do I, what I believe matters. 
This is a biggie. This will cut to the deep thing, the deeper thing, really. The question is, do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is good? See, if you can't answer this question in a positive way, yes, he's good, what happens to you? How can you discern when something goes bad? When it all falls apart, I don't know what to do now because you know what, it's God didn't show up. God didn't come through. Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he has your best interest in mind? Will he show up? Do you trust him? Or do you feel, do you remember Lucy and Charlie Brown? Anybody know that? I don't know if you're the kids. This isn't the kids, you know, thing, maybe. Lucy and Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown could never what? Kick that football from Lucy. Because that mean little girl, man, right, would always write no and always get him, right? Always get him to a place where he believed again. You know what? Some of you, some of us, think God is Lucy. And right when he's convinced you again that he loves you and cares for you, you go to kick that football and it feels like he pulls it away and you fall flat on your face. So a deep question for a lot of us is, do you believe that God is good? I would prefer that you would tell him no and start there than try to fake through it and say yes. You know, for some of you, sit with somebody who's lost someone tragically like we had past week. This is something they got to answer. Do I believe God is good? Even with this pile that I've just been presented. Because then I can see. If I go, God, I don't get it. See how that even works? I don't understand. I don't have the answers. I don't know why this would happen. I don't know why you allowed it. I don't know what's going on. But you are good. You're good. That's my faith. I don't know why somebody dies at a young age or something happens to kids or we lose. I don't know why all that goes on. I do not have answers. But I will tell you, if you want logical behind this, I don't have it. But I believe that God is good. I believe that I'm part of a bigger story. And I trust in that. So what I see here is not what he's doing here. And that helps me then discern See, the moment when I got to discern a big decision, I can listen to God because I go, you know what? I don't get this. You're telling me to do it. It doesn't seem right. But you know what? You're good. You're good. So I'm going to go. I'm going to move. I'm going to take that job. I'm going to do this, do whatever it is. Do you believe that God is good? See, this answer will determine how you open up to him and his will. Or it'll shut you down. Because the first time something happens, you'll go, see, you did it to me again. I will not follow you. I do not trust you. So I will decide what's good and bad for me to do. And man, I talk about having a tough time with the, the wise choice. The other thing in that is, do I believe that God desires to communicate with me? So I don't want to spend a lot of time here. But wow, one of the things to answer is, I don't know if God wants to talk to me at all. Now, we believe that he does a lot of that through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot to that, I know. And a lot of weird stuff that people do with that. I get it. But I still believe that God desires. That's a, that's a foundational question. Do you believe that God desires to communicate with you? So there is a God that I just don't see sometimes. And I, I know that he wants to communicate with me. Right? I'm not looking for... It's weird things to happen. I'm not looking for strange stuff, but I'm open to whatever he wants to do because I think he wants to communicate with me and he does it in creative ways sometimes. I think we miss that. That's part of spiritual blindness. You know, sometimes it's through music or art or different things that we just blow off and miss or people. You know what? Sometimes God even uses people that don't follow him to communicate with me. I don't know, right? Stuff I read, stuff I watch. Man, I, there's a lot of ways, and this is deep, I know, there's a lot more to it. 
But at your core, do you believe that God is good and that he desires to communicate with you? Those are foundational questions for you to focus on. We cannot force discernment, but we can find ways to open up ourselves to God and the truth of who we are and what we think and believe. This is going to take prayer and practice. So this is prayer and practice in all this. You see the depth of where it goes. We need to practice, man, our previous disciplines that we talked about weeks ago, they help us to open up to God as truth and then begin to help us answer that question. Do I believe God's good and that he wants to communicate with me? Wow, and then it opens me up. Wow, I don't. So maybe I better just spend some time there. The guy that I met with this week, is a, that's, those were foundational questions. Do you believe God's good? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, let's just start right there. If you don't, be honest and tell me. Right? All right, so what do I do? I better not spend too much time on this. We'll just get you going, confuse you, and then we'll go try, okay? We'll practice, all right? A couple quick prayers. One, pray the prayer for indifference. Some of you, this is going to be confusing. I'm not talking about indifference that says apathy or disinterest. Indifference says, I am indifferent to anything but God's will. I'm wide open to God, and I'm free from attachment to any particular outcome. I want God, his will, most of all. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I will love no matter what, no matter what people think of me, what I want, more than comfort or personal advantage. I am wide open to God. I am willing, committed to giving up whatever will keep me from choosing God and loving people. It's a prayer of abandonment. So that's a prayer of indifference that says, God, whatever you want, whatever you do, whatever you have for me, man, I want it. Is it biblical? Yes, two scriptures. Luke 138, Mary, this child who's gonna have a baby named Jesus says to the angel these words, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Do whatever you want. I am your, you know, I'm your tool, your resource. I abandon myself to you. One writer wrote, Mary was more than just an available womb. She was a person willing to receive Christ into the very depths of her being, allowing his presence to incubate there in the darkness until the fullness of time when God's will would be completely revealed. It was this indifference to anything but the will of God that prepared her to participate so fully in God's plan for the redemption of humankind. God. What? Mind blown. What? Are you kidding me? A little young gal, pregnant, craziness going on, accusations probably thrown out, people talking about her. It's a small little town, folks. You know, and she just says, God, I'm yours. Fully abandoned to you. A prayer of indifference. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I don't care that, that you do anything to me. You do what you want. It's your will, not mine. Is it biblical? Yes, Mary, but even more Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 26, 39, at the end, we've read this verse many times, we'll read it many more. Matthew 26, 30, 39, he's gonna go to the cross and die at any moment. He goes on a little further in prayer. He bows down and he prays this to his father. And he says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering, this death, this beating that I'm gonna take, please, it's too painful, let it be taken away from me. But he says this, yet, but I want your will to be done, not my own. The prayer of indifference is this. It's your will I want, God, not my own. That will help me then to discern what I'm to do. So I start figuring it out, and then I just go, do whatever you want. God, I'm your servant. I'm your tool. I'm a resource for you. <sighs> it's awesome. And then we pray a prayer of wisdom from James 1, 5, 8. Um, and we just say, God, give us wisdom. We stand on these promises. We work through these things. I'm just going to skip to the end. Uh, the, the worship team can come. Out of all that, as we work through this, man, there's a lot more. I'll come back to this down the road. But as we kind of work through this, let me go back to Romans to wrap up. They're going to start playing. We're going to take communion together. So, dear brothers... And sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. So in just a moment, we're going to take communion together. Pleading is, give yourself to God. What? Like Mary did, like Jesus did, fully abandoned. Pray a prayer of indifference. Hey, God, today, man, I give myself to you fully and wholly, whatever you want. Why? Why do you do that? 
Well, you're going to do something that's going to remember that. Why? Because of what he's done for you. What's he done for you? He died on the cross for your sins. So you're going to take this cup of juice, if you choose to do that, and it's something you want to do. You're going to remember, God, I give all of me to you. I'm fully abandoned to you. Man, I, I want to discern what your will is. There's a lot to that, a lot for me to work out. Hey, God, I want you to reveal into me anything that's keeping me apart from you, anything that blinds me to what you're doing, where you're working. Why would I do this? Why would I give everything to you? It's because of what you've done, not because of what I've done. So we take communion. We go, wow, the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your death on the cross for my sin. I discern out of that that I must be worth it. The enemy keeps saying I'm not worth it. Bail on this. God's not good. Then I come to the cross and I remember Jesus and he says, wait a minute. He died for me. Then I'm good. Not because of what I did, because of what he's done. I'm his child. Not because I say it, because he said it. Man, I'm forgiven. Not because I am able to forgive myself, but because he's forgiven me. I'm free because I did something right. Nope, because he did. Wow, that's beautiful to remember what he's done for you. You take that bread and it says, man, reminder, Jesus gave fully abandoned to you a prayer of indifference. Not my will, but your will be done, God. And guess what? When you take that bread today, it's a great reminder as well. Hey, Jesus, thank you. You prayed the prayer of indifference. You were fully abandoned to God and his work, even when it was suffering and pain. Didn't matter. Right? And I give myself fully abandoned back to you. That's a great prayer today. Wow, so Romans tells us, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. This is the true way to worship him. That's what we're doing this morning. Don't copy behaviors, customs of the world. Let God transform the way you think. We need that today, Lord. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Okay, then out of that, that's when we make a decision. Then we live it out. Then we work through it. But let's start to the, at this other place. Well, this prayer of indifference, this, this digging into who we are that is more important than what we do. And then we can come back and make choices and live it out and work through it and give all to the glory of God. And so, Father, today, will you stand with me? Father, today, man, we are so grateful for who you are, what you've done for us. We are so grateful for the way that you work in and through us, Father, that you care about who we are, not just to get us to do something, but you care about what we believe, God. Today, um, I pray as we kind of think, God, do we believe you're good? Well, the cross shows me that you are. Even in suffering and pain, you're good. That you desire to communicate with us. And you're doing that today through your word, through your spirit, through worship, through others. And so we, in light of all that, in light of the cross, in light of your death, in light of your resurrection, and we take communion today to remember you. For some, Lord, if they're not ready to do that, at least may they consider what do they believe about you and who you are and what you do. And Lord, out of that, we pray a prayer of indifference, fully abandoned to you today as you became fully abandoned to us and for us. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. And we give ourselves to you because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.